Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Oh, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke. Don't do If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Warhawk makes that Jackson. Matt Byrne on the board. Eliani over and over, over him like the fourth grade teacher. But Matt's on the board today. S&P futures down 34.50. Nasdaq futures down 96. Um, Dow is down 255. A lot of this, well, coincidental. I'm saying a lot of it has to do with the uh, Russians trying to seize this Ukrainian power plant, which is one of the biggest ones in Europe. And uh, there was a fire last night, but then the fire was in the office building, and everybody's trying to figure out what exactly happened. But uh, when Carl comes down, he'll have more insight into that. Oil is up another 220 to 109.87. I had a get a little a puddle of gas for the suburban yesterday, and I paid four eighty eight in the city, highest I've ever paid ever. Uh, that is not good. And do we have Mister Kevin? You do. What's up, man? How are you? Oh, I'm doing okay. Hey, we should start out with something a little lighter today. Let's uh, let, let me give you a, a, a little fun thing. Um, did Did you know that Interstate ninety runs from Edgar Martinez Drive in Seattle to the Ted Williams Tunnel in Boston? Really. I think it's the. Yeah, I believe. It, it I, I tells believe, you that Interstate ninety can hit, man. <laughs> I, I believe that it's the uh, longest road now in the U.S. Which used to be, uh, I think, it used to be Route six or, or Route thirty or one of them. But I think ninety is the longest now. Well, I say now, well, in the last however many years. Um, just so well, whatever whatever it is, I think that's a pretty cool starting end. You know, the only the only thing that would make it more impressive and as good as Edgar Martinez uh, was as a ball player would be for it to be to uh, Ichiro Drive, to Ichiro yeah. Suzuki Drive. Uh, Edgar Martinez is a, is a friend. He's a, a friend and a client of all things. Oh yeah, and 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 just a fantastic hitter. Absolutely, yeah. you know, um, right. very nice uh, fellow through his era. Um, really one of the best it, as, as a third baseman first and then as a DH. Well, let's put it this way. If you can, if you can make it to the Hall of Fame, you know, from Seattle without hardly anybody seeing you, you're pretty darn good. Well, he's also my favorite kind of hitter. Um, I, I, I love, you know, what, what I want and, and I'd, I'd have to pull him up on, on baseball reference while we're talking, but, um, the the uh, I, I love doubles hitters. I love guys who use the whole field, put it in the gaps, still have some power. Um, but uh, but you know, but they're when when guys who lead the league in in doubles tend to be really excellent, disciplined all around hitters. And um, and, and if I you know I, I have I have Edgar's up here, and you know he had uh, twice he led the league in doubles, forty six in nineteen ninety two. 52 in 1995 he didn't lead the league in 96 but 
again as seasons with 46, you know, those kinds of things. So as many home runs he had, he hit 309 home runs, which is a pretty nice career. Uh, but if he had doubles, he had 514 doubles. This was a guy who was getting on base. His on-base percentages were incredibly high. In fact, he was over four, uh, 400, 418 on base for his career. This was just a really good hitter that pitchers hated to face because he was going to, uh, you know, he wasn't going to swing a crap, and he was going to put the ball in play with some pop. Well, what, what, is, uh, what was his position before he went to DH? He must have played something. Third base. Okay. Was he total butcher there, or was he okay for a while? No, 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 no. He he he, he was okay. The uh, I wonder where the uh, in the steroid era. There's there's a couple of. Uh, Casualties, I think, not only the steroid people, but I, I think that in another time, both Mark Grace and Dan Mattingly would be in the Hall of Fame because Mark Grace led the what he led the didn't he lead the the, the league in doubles for a decade or something? You know, he well, he might have had the most of the decade. Yeah, right. uh, let me see, most uh, for the decade, didn't lead it every yeah, year for. Uh, no, no, I, don't, I mean, I didn't mean he meant led it every year for a decade. I meant. Right. But he did have, uh, um, you know, 1995, he did lead the league with 51. So, yeah, um, you know, as you go through there, he hit a lot. You know, he had, he had years as low as 23, but he was typically in the upper 30s, would have been typical upper 30s, low 40s. And he was, he and Mattingly won a whole bunch of gold gloves, which they, even with this, this war thing, people got so many statistics now, it's scary, but even with this war thing, um, you don't really get, uh, I, I think you still don't get that much of a mix between, um, you know, taking taking hits away from other people and getting some yourself. Because I have to believe that both of those guys, over a period of a decade, if you added the you know the two the two uh, hits a week, you took away from other people and added to their batting average, is pretty darn high. I don't think. Well, we'll he had a, he had a pretty good uh, WAR, and uh, I, I will tell you that of his. Um, his his overall uh, wins above replacement was forty six point uh, four, which is a good a good career. Um, but uh, if I look at the defensive war, um, yeah, it's hard to tell. I mean, this is minus five, but I think that has a lot to do with what he gets to, not what he catches. It, it you know, the, the ultimate judge of a first baseman is how many errors does he save the rest of the infield, and, and it's not picked up anywhere. Yeah, that 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 is really really hard to uh, to measure. It would uh, it would take a lot of going back, getting a lot of film, uh, or or just ask Sean Dunstan. Yeah, or, or <laughs> bizarre short stuff like like Sean Dunstan, uh, crazy stuff. Uh, man. Not not only was was Sean Dunstan wild, but he had a cannon for an arm. Yeah. So those weren't easy picks to make. No. <laughs> they were coming at you really really hard. I yeah. Uh, when when we if the world ever gets uh, less crazed, I have a whole bunch of things backed up where all these guys are really into baseball and this uh, core digest, and uh, and they they come up with some. It's, I mean, they basically have nothing better to do. They may almost be retired or something. I don't know. But uh, but he was. Uh, they have all kinds of interesting. Uh, if if you take uh, you know there's a name I I, I can't find it here in a second, but I could find it. If I spent five minutes. They talk about all the, the best pitchers in their peak years, like the five their five best years. And who's, you know his his name? Boy, talk about a blast in the past! You know his name is in there at like number thirty or something. Is is, yeah. uh, is Dick Ellsworth? Remember him from the Cubs? Mm-hmm, sure. 
Cubs got him later in his career, right? I believe. Uh, yeah, we were kids. Yeah, I, I, you know, I remember him as a kid, though, being kind of a fixture for the Cubs. So later in his career, might, uh, um, you know, might still uh, overlap um, y- you and me uh, substantially. Yeah, the uh, when I was one of the guys, and I would just kind of paraphrase because we're, you know, we've got stuff to talk about. But and, and actually, now as I'm looking at him, he came up with the Cubs in '58. Um, a little in 58, back to the minors, and in 1960 through 66, he was with the Cubs, and after that, he started knocking around a little bit. So he went to the Phillies, and he went to Boston, and Cleveland, and, uh, and Milwaukee. So, uh, Milwaukee being the Braves at the time. Um, so, no, he actually, he was a, a Cubs, uh, a guy the Cubs developed. Well, uh, there was one, uh, you know, that I'll dig up here, it has to do with, uh, with Ted Williams um, a little bit, and, uh, and there's a real good one that I'll, I'll dig up regarding uh, uh, the difference in, in pitching and how the uh, and I think I think a lot of the, the difference in I mean, nobody's made this connection, but this isn't, isn't the first time we've made connections quicker on, on stacks and jacks. But they, they talk about how how you know the, can there be another 400 hitter and blah blah blah, and in uh, all the different strikeouts and and it's uh, I'm, I'm tying together one one stat that Maddie one fact that Maddie Weber came up with. And uh, one thing that I think Major League Baseball is having a problem with, and I for sure am having a problem with watching them. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind I can't stand to watch them anymore. Uh, but I, I watch him having a beer with you, Kevin, in a bar because I'm not really paying attention, but you, you can't pay attention. The team is too damn long. I mean, uh, in a, uh, unlike football and, and, and hockey or whatever, that they, they've extended the game by having more commercials. In baseball, the extension is actually in the game itself, which you can't do anything about. You could cut a commercial out between innings, but that's not helping you really that much. But what I'm saying is, is the uh, guys used to pitch every somewhere between 11 and 15 seconds. Well, now they've decided that if you're if you're only going to pitch one inning and you're some you know strong guy, which they all are now, that for you to take as much time as you can between pitches and throw as hard as you can, that that's the that's the the new game. And the, this article is all about. Every year, for the last however many, they've inched a little, a little bit more in terms of how fast the average pitch comes in, especially on relief pitchers, and how it's created all these strikeouts. But, but key to that whole mess is taking more time between pitches to essentially rest from the pitch before. And I don't know how I don't know how baseball comes to grip with that, Kevin. I really don't. I mean, it's like in, in football. I mean, clearly, uh, if if you could have, you know, if you're if you're Ends could could run a deep pass and have fifty seconds to wait before they they could uh, run the next one or a minute and a half. Maybe they wouldn't have to come out every once in a while. I mean, it really does. the The pace affects the game dramatically, I think. And uh, you know, and, and well, uh, it does. You know, there, there's only one sport where they tell you to go all out, and if you if you um, uh, if you and then and then come, and then come out um, and to do it, you know, immediately. And that's hockey. But hockey, you know, you're going to skate. A sixty to ninety second shift, but you can change on the fly, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> it right. doesn't, doesn't disrupt the game. Well, but I'm, I guess what I'm saying is that right, I'm going to hockey tonight. Really? Uh, Irish are playing Wisconsin in the Big Ten playoffs. Oh, cool! They got a chance. Oh yeah, no, they're the host team. They're the higher seed is the host team. All right, for the first round. Well, but then the uh, real quick, because we want to get more more into this uh, 
this, I'm, I'm, again, I'm so tired of listening about the Fed stuff every day, but then all I do is talk about it in the morning, so I guess I'm as bad as the rest of them. But, uh, we're talking about, uh, Ted Williams, and finally one guy writes in this article, basically, would you quit talking about Ted Williams? He goes, he was a, the, the genetic freak in baseball, like Wilt, Wilt was and always will be in, in basketball. <laughs> he goes, the, the man had 2010 eyesight, he had amazing reflexes, they haven't come anywhere close to his, his gunnery numbers when he was in the Air Force. It's not just baseball. <laughs> the, the guy, the guy was a genetic freak. Would you just get over it? He was. <laughs> All right. I guess that's the truth, right, Kevin? I mean, uh, you know. Yeah, I, I, I consider him the, the best hitter ever. Yeah, I mean, and he's in, you know, there's, there's people that put Stan Musial in that, in that. You know what's weird about baseball? I mean, a lot of things are weird about baseball is when they had the, uh, top 100 players, maybe 15, 20 years ago, did, did this. Somebody had a, like, mess with the, the 100, just with all the reporters at the time. To even get Stan Musial in the top 100. Now he's considered one of the top, if not the top, one of the top three hitters that ever lived over a career. And then one of the best ball players. I mean, you know, it's amazing how people, guys. The advanced, uh, the advanced staff has, uh, stood him up, haven't they? Yeah, pretty much. And it, uh, you know, and, and it gets, well, if you look at pitchers in the hall, that had the best uh, war where they weren't in the Hall of Fame, Rick Rushville's right up the top. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, uh, I don't know how you go back and a lot of it has... Well, in, in, in his case, he, he's like a lot of, a lot of players actually. Um, and, and, and he was at a time when they counted the number of wins that you had. Yeah. Uh, as, you know, that had a lot more value than it does now, uh, in, in people's eyes. And, uh, so he, he had the misfortune of being, uh, the best player arguably or one of the best players on a bad team. Uh, so often, and there is no worse thing to be in sports than the best player on a bad team. Because whatever you do, it isn't enough. Well, plus <laughs> these, ne- it never feels like enough. So you're you're, you're just kind of stuck. Well, plus he's uh, um, w- was heavy, so he didn't really look like a baseball player. Yet they used to use yep, him as my a, kind of guy. Well, yet they used to use him as a pinch runner, and I, I don't know if he still owns the the uh, college. A batting record at Western Illinois. I mean, maybe somebody's broken it by then, but the guy who's used a pinch hitter and a pinch runner, even though he was heavy. But he was very fast. <laughs> he was a good base runner. I mean, it's a, you, know, you can't always tell a book by its cover, right? You know, it was amazingly quick for a guy that looked like he was, he was heavier than hell and had to retire early, unfortunately. Is, uh, was it, was it, which was the, the, the son, the fielder, Prince or, or Cecil? Was, uh, the son was Prince. Uh, and he had the, the big belly. Boy, could he run. He was fast as hell. I watched him go first and second. I go, that big guy's going that fast. I'm like, wow. I know. I always, I always cheer for the big fellas. Yeah. But then um, he, what, he had a bad yeah, I, I, uh, the, You know, another guy who was, wasn't fast, but he was a great base runner, um, it was uh, Greg Lazinski. Yeah. Um, and just a really big guy. And, and I remember, I, I think it was Tom Pachorek on the broadcast, uh, if, after watching Luzinski go first to third and make a nice fadeaway slide to be safe, he said there is no greater spectacle in sports than watching Greg Luzinski run the bases. <laughs> well, it's you know, it's, like, and my uncle was a was a big man and uh, and he was he also he used to win. He was very quick and he goes, you know, he used to tell the little guys, you know, not not all not all big guys are slow and not all little guys are fast. <laughs> that, you know, that's the truth, uh, pretty much. I uh, all right, Kevin, we. Uh, 
We have uh, spent. We have to get to the serious business of the day. Huh? Yeah, unfortunately, uh, I, I I am as I went to get gas yesterday. I'm gonna. I might spend some time this weekend if I have a few a few minutes, um, putting together a few numbers. Uh, I, I'm I'm at the stage now where I think that the inflation right now is worse than at any time during the '70s and '80s. I don't think it's even close. And I listen to these people on TV all day long talking about well, what is wrong with them. They're, they're going to interview guys, and well, don't you think maybe a quarter point in two weeks? God's sake, Kevin. <laughs> How, how much more can we talk about turning off the faucet when, when the sink is overflowing and the house is flooding? I mean, do we, do we have a meeting next week about turning off the, or next, the week after and maybe think about, well, how much damage can it do? I mean, I mean, can't we just turn it off? What are we doing? I mean, this, this is insanity. I, you know, I do. I mean, and these guys, now every day it's deflecting. Well, now it's the war in Ukraine. We had inflation 10 years ago. If you just looked, if you knew where to look, now now it's all the war in Ukraine is the inflation has nothing to do with this inflation. No, no, it's it's only it's just going to make it worse. That's all. It's going to make it worse because the cost of fuel is going to go up, and the cost of fuel is both in every product or not every product in lots of products um, as uh, that that have petroleum based content, and just as much it is. Uh, it, it is behind the shipping for every product. Um, so, you know, if everybody's, uh, fuel costs, uh, you know, every, every commercial carrier is, uh, has a fuel cost adjustment in the contract. And, uh, and, and as a result, their prices are going to go up. And so everybody who ships a product to a distribution center or from a distribution center to a store is going to have increased costs. And they're going to anybody who can is going to pass them on to the consumer. Well, sure. Um, and uh, and and a whole lot of industries can. You know, there's very few that just say, I, you know, I have to eat the cost. And the president's solution in the uh, State of the Union address was, well, the solution of the inflation is lower your costs. Well, thanks, Mr. President. Let's do that. Well, I uh, <laughs> there, there's I, w- I wish I could go back and. Uh, well, if I, if, I, if I was back in school young, of course, I, I wouldn't know what I know now. Uh, I, I think there's a, there's a lot of Ph.D. papers into this whole mess, Kevin, in terms of... But I, I think the, the fundamental economic principle is if, if you didn't have an overabundance of money in the system and you had a shock that all of a sudden, you know, every, you know half the cows died or something, so all of a sudden the price of beef you know, quadrupled in a week, all it would do would would would, would drop people's uh, use of beef and a lot of other stuff. Then, because people wouldn't have enough money left, your other your demand for other stuff would go down. And those prices, even though you couldn't really tell, in, infinitesimally along the way would adjust to make up for the price of beef going up. You you wouldn't, but the the general inflation is only caused by too much money in the system, and that's that's very hard for people to. to Understand, and clearly, if you watch TV, you'll never get any kind of an economic. Uh, you'll never, you never get anybody to define that for you. So when you get this general stuff, it, it, it has nothing to do with with you know w- with the individual kick. It doesn't. It certainly doesn't help. It makes things worse. But it, but in general, it doesn't really go through, go through the whole thing. But I, I, I but I, there, but there's pockets in the system that I don't, I don't know what you do anything about. And, and and I think a lot of it has to do with our 
and I will use the term fascist economic system that we're growing into. This is not for the, for the for the right wingers. Sorry, Kevin. This is not capitalism, and for the left wingers, whatever, whatever this is not whatever you think it is either. And, and, and there's a lot of industries that are well. There's some industries that are still competitive. Most of them are not. I mean, you you can't separate the the inflation in some areas from the, the fiasco that's going on with this 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 Michael Madigan thing. I mean, I don't understand how I've I've, I've watched. Well, I guess I always look at things a different way. I've, I've watched. I won't say countless because it only happened this week. But John Flanning and I talked about it yesterday. Uh, this this whole thing about the system's broken, Madigan's broken, and yet Commonwealth Edison has been doing this for 120 years. So, okay, Madigan's going to, maybe he goes to jail, maybe he gets off. I mean, who the hell cares? I, mean, I, I care for him personally. I mean, I don't know the guy. But, I mean, I, in terms of economics, they're already paying the next guy, Kevin. It has nothing to do with anything. The fact is that the Commonwealth Edison over a period of years has probably got their rates 40 to 50% higher than they ought to be. Which is, which is real inflation in people's pockets. You look at, I'm, I'm guessing if you took some sort of a, a study of, of the, the people who are being paid there, the top 400 employees, you'd find they're paid, getting paid 60 to 70 percent, maybe not that much, more than, uh, than some, someone competitive. They don't care about the shareholders. They care about the management class that somehow has weaseled their way in there and is, and is living like fat and happy like a fat cat. And, and, and always will. I mean, I, and I think people's gas probably the same way. Probably but, but ultimately, the point is that with all of this going on, um, it, it, let's just say we magically fix everything, you know, right away. Uh, we make it, you know, we clean everything up and we make it okay. We have institutionalized what has happened in the past. Yes, we've totally institutionalized. And that's the problem because that ain't, that's you know we're not going to roll all that back. I mean, I was at having uh, <laughs> an adult beverage at my. Lawyers and uh, and uh, judge group on Wednesday that I I hang with, and I said, you know, I, I have a, somewhat of a legal question for you, learned gentlemen. How is it that since it appears pretty straightforward that Commonwealth that hasn't been paying these people off for a while, and here's a guy maybe going to go to jail for taking the money and get and actually getting legislation passed, Kevin? It's not like he just took the dough and didn't do anything. I mean, these rates are way up. And, uh, he was an honorable thief. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, so I mean, so the, now this this guy, whoever this guy was, uh, in Central Illinois, files suit and he says, "I want my electric bill back to where it was before this thing, this bill got passed. If these guys paid these guys off to put it through, the judge goes, oh, man, we can't do that. It's threw it right out. Why? When I I don't know the law, and of course they had, you know, the lawyers and the judge had some reason for it that there's no, I don't know, what did Lou say a few weeks ago? Something about a you know, there's just some story where you can't sue the state legislature for, you know, allegedly doing their job or whatever. And all of a sudden, if you started suing people every time a bill got passed, I mean, the world would be even worse than it is now. But simple fact is, that's the result, right? Why shouldn't it go back to where it was? I mean, it, I, that's, am I just acting like, like a dumb South Sider or what? I mean, what well, that, that should I know, but, yeah, right. <laughs> that, but that should be the result, right? Okay, wait a minute. You you paid these guys off to, to to pass this bill to raise these rates higher than they should be, and now we now we realize you're both crooks. Not only we threw the guy out, where we're going to find you guys and throw everybody off the board. But oh, by the way, by the way, we're dropping the rates back down. Why why isn't that the result? I mean, what's wrong with me? Well, that that would certainly be an equitable result. So uh, so, how about we get someone to run for governor who says that's uh, that's going to be my platform? Um, is is to legally lower the rates? Can, can you 
Can I, you I'm pass saying that tongue in cheek. I, I know I, I'm saying, but this all happened under Rounders' watch. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, Kevin. It's been going on for since Sam Unsell ran the place, and the, and the public utility holding company act was against Commonwealth Edison for God's sake. I mean, it's never stopped. I mean, this is yeah, not, did we with Rounders? Did we break our streak of sending governors to jail? So far, no. So far, uh, what's yeah. his name? Uh, what's the guy? The other guy's name? Quinn. He didn't go to jail. He oh, okay. He was, he was crazy. Right. So, hey, you know, <laughs> nice. We've cleaned up Illinois. Well, you know, I, I, got a, I got a little story for you about Quinn. I got invited to, uh, uh, it was a big minority firm down here. Everybody knows who the hell they are, but I won't say the name. Uh, they they open up their new offices, right? And they and it's very politically connected. You know, the minority, you get every piece of this, piece of that. So every everybody, in the, you know, Jesse Jackson's there. and uh, so, so Quinn's there, and I think Madigan was there and a couple of the guys. Well, the amount of people talking to the guys who really mean something. Guess who Quinn is talking to? Me. Nobody else talking, talking to you, huh? Yeah, but I'm sitting there going, boy, because he 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 was not a pay for play guy. So why talk to him? What's the point? If I can't get any other guy, what do I care about him for? And the other guys, if you talk to him and say, well, what if I do this and this happens? It's a whole different world when you're everybody else is making a deal in the room and he's talking to me. He's an honest guy. I don't think he was much good as a governor, but. He's, you know, he's a nice guy. I mean, what, what can you say? SP Futures down down 48. Ouch. Yeah, but if you ain't part of the game, you're not, no. you don't get the support to get oh, reelected. No. Absolutely not. And NASDAQ Futures down 151. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. 
A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, and jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Well, welcome to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tomorrow. He's Mr. Matt Fern on the board. Uh, his, his first day running the board himself, and so far, pretty darn good, Matt. Let's be futures up, or I'm sorry, up, down 46. As if futures down 142, down futures down 323. Uh, we were pretty much unchanged last night until all the stuff came flying by with the Ukrainian uh, nuclear power plant being taken over by the Russian forces. Uh, it's one of the bigger ones they have, maybe one of the biggest ones in Europe. And uh, that's not good. Um, over in Asia, we've got uh, Nikkei down 591. It's 2.2%. These guys are finally reacting to the downside here. Shanghai down 33. That's a full 1%. Hang Seng down 562. It's 2.5%. Um, well, just a review of yesterday. Somewhat of an inside day. Uh, we fell on the close, but we were pretty much unchanged most of the day. Dow Jones down 96, S&P down 23, Nasdaq down 214. That happened. That happened late. Uh, over in Europe, this morning we've got the DAX down 495 at 3.6%. It's getting ugly over there. FTSE down 248, 3.4%. around down 235, 3.7. So well into the 3% uh, moves over in Europe uh, across the board. Uh, bonds. We're down six basis points to uh, 1.78. Again, we were over two for a while in a 10-year, but we've come back down as bonds have rallied, and I guess we would call it a flight to quality. The Bund is minus again, minus 0.03. It's down five basis points. So I, don't, I still can't believe people give somebody money there for for free. Uh, Japan uh, down one basis point to a positive 1.6. They've been pretty steady through the whole mess, uh, at least so far. Oil up another 271 to 110.34 a barrel. Uh, Brent down up 215, 112.61. Natural gas up 12 cents, 484. Arbot up another 5 cents, 333. Uh, yeah, under $4 gas is uh, not going to be around for, if you can find a place, fill up. Gold up $16, 19.51. First time it's been over 19.50 for a little bit. Silver up 13 cents, 25.34. Copper up 5 cents, 483. And Bitcoin is down 572 to 41,042. It was over 43,000 yesterday morning. Uh, so it's been 43, back down to 30-something, back up to 43, now 41. Uh, Matt, what do you got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Good morning. It is currently 6.35 a.m. Uh, on March 4th. Let's get you into sports. In the NBA last night, the Bulls lost to ATL Hawks 130-124. to Tonight, you'll see the Phoenix Suns versus the Knicks. In the NHL, the Blackhawks beat the Oilers 4-3, and the Coyotes beat Avalanches 2-1. Both Blackhawks and Coyotes play again Saturday night. In college basketball last night, Arizona Wildcats beat Stanford 81-69, and Illinois beat Penn State 60-55. Now on the weather. In, in Chicago currently, it's partly cloudy and 31 degrees, high of 40 and low of 31. 
Down in Phoenix, sunny skies, 63 degrees, high of 68, and a low of 51. Now on to traffic in Chicago. Eastbound on 290 between Highway and 45 in Harlem. Westbound 290 between Central and Wolf Road. Uh, both these are caused currently by a, uh, an earlier accident on the 20, at 25th. And keep in mind of a stalled truck at 9th Avenue. Uh, be mindful of the ramp closure due to police activity at Independence and Central Park. Uh, that's causing some delays. Uh, eastbound I-90 on Lee Street to Lawrence and eastbound on 94 West Division in Roosevelt. Uh, also westbound 94 between 130th and Marquette, which also picks up at West Ontario. Northbound 55 between Route 171 and South, South Kedzie. Back to you, Chief. So, man, what do you think when they, this police activity when they spend hours picking up the shell casings? What do you think they do with all the shell casings? I'm not sure. I, I, I really think that uh, uh, they got to clean them up at some point. What do you think? They're going to they're fill them up again and use them for their personal use or what? Well, they could always recycle them. Yeah, you can recycle them. I yeah, love it. Bag them and tag them, man. Bag I watch TV. Bag them yeah. and tag them, yeah. It's, it's, a, I don't, it's a crazy world, isn't it, Kevin? So we had, what, two shootings last night, three on expressways? I mean, it's, you know, it's a good night. It's a good night. You got to... I think Mike Rocco had it right when he said what he really wanted was a, of course, back when people had cars with trunks. Um, man, have you ever owned a car that had a trunk? I'm thinking no. The, uh, you know, Mike Rocco said he wants one where he could open the trunk and inside was like this, this big machine gun would come up and just like point at the guy behind him if he was too close or something. He goes, that would get a reaction. What do you think, Kevin? Um, I want one of those. Yeah. I, I actually, you know, I think back to when my my kids watched uh, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, and I want one of those, um, uh, I, I would like one of those basher arms for my vehicle, you know, that, that swing up and bash anything in front of you. Oh, that's a thought. I always thought to the Rat Patrol, we should unleash that, unleash those guys on the expressways. And as soon as somebody, like, starts shooting out of a car, you just, you just riddle the thing until everybody's just, you know, just dead. Hey, you know, we, uh, we, we've heard for two years now about reimagining police. I think we're on to something. Yeah. That was a, I love that I show. I for reimagining. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that show. Those guys running around and shooting at everybody. It was, <laughs> it was great. What was his name? Uh, oh god, he was a pretty good actor. Uh, Christopher Lloyd, right? And there was a British guy. There were the two. For Lloyd, you know, Christopher Lloyd was, Taxi. Yeah, what, what, what the hell was the guy's name? <clears throat> I don't know. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll worry about it later. Hey, uh. Doc Brown in the uh, Back to the Future movies. Oh, God. Uh, it's, it's something Lloyd. Anyway. Um, so, Kevin, I wanted to, we'll, we'll break off this, uh, well, we better not break off the, let's, let's break off to something else. But what do you, what do you make of this lawsuit and, uh, people suing Tesla for paying, uh, Elon Musk too much? If we if we sue everybody for paying too much to the uh, CEO, um, then uh, the courts are going to be pretty tied up for a long time. I, I uh, honestly I, I haven't I, I know that the suit is out there. I haven't really looked at what the merits of the argument are, so I, I really don't have much of an opinion. What do you think? What, uh, have you looked at it with any uh, intensity? I think I was I was wrong. Chris, Christopher George, not Christopher Lloyd. Oh, okay. Um. You know, I I have been I have been talking for a while, ever since being on the board at the CBOE, that the whole concept of uh, independent boards running corporations uh, 
has been really a, 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 a so we say a suck hole of a concept to me for a long, long time. Because I think, uh, and I've and I've read uh, books where people talked about it, and they said, well, if if the shareholders or if the board got together and was actually independent, the first time that the CEO would uh, meet a new board member is when he was appointed by somebody else. The idea of the people, the, the CEO appointing all the people on the board and then those guys appointing you to their board, there's, there's, there's zero independence there, Kevin. Every time you give yourself a raise or give somebody else a raise, you've essentially gave yourself... When you're on a board and you give another guy a raise and he's on your board, you essentially gave yourself a raise. And I used to watch that on the CBO. And CBO was a very... Well, if nothing else, you gave yourself some job security. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, it's, uh, I think it's been broken for a long time. And I think that the shareholders, if, if, if anybody thinks, uh, what, what, what did Eric used to refer to it? There's this new management class that has no controls on them whatsoever. I mean, they, they really don't, they don't, they don't, they're not beholden to the, to the owners of the place. I mean, what do you, what do you think, the Commonwealth Edison, I use those as a whipping boy all the time, what do you think they care about? The actual owners, to the extent, and, we, and we've had a lot of uh, people that have said, "Okay, was, if you give a bunch of stock to these guys, but all of a sudden now they will start to uh, act as if they're shareholders, and if most of their compensations in stock, they will act to, but they, but then they just buy the stock back." Where, I mean, uh, but you, there's, there's no, I mean, if you, if you and I were in there, just 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 ask yourself why, why, not that it never happens, it happens kind of quite a bit by little bits and pieces, but. If somebody has too much cash, like Microsoft, the thought of giving out a dividend, that would be, that would be like the proverbial fart in church. Because. We want to set up, set a precedent here. Well, not, well, not only, but the thing of it is, if you have a stack that's $100, and your, uh, and your strike price of your options is 105, I guarantee you the last thing you want to do is give a dividend out. Because, I mean, just, just to walk it through, I mean, I know everybody, if I were to, if, I, if, if if the uh, listeners were a class and I were to say, you know, I'll know how the dividend works, everybody bob their head up and down. But if I would say, hey, you in the third row, explain to me exactly how the dividend works, I think a lot of people would have somewhat of a problem. Okay, I'm mean, not insulting anybody. I'm just saying to actually work it through. Because if you actually work it through, if your stock is worth 100 bucks, and say you've got $10 in the bank in cash, Okay, then really what the, what the, the market should be telling you is that the place is worth 90 bucks plus the $10 you have in cash, correct? So if I say, hmm, I'm gonna give out a $2 dividend to everybody who's a shareholder on such and such day, what happens is I, the, then the X date, the next day the stack opens up at 98. Okay, now is it really worth 98 or whatever? It could be worth, it could end up the day at 95, at 105, at 200, at zero. I mean, that's what the market does. But the, but the, the principle is, it's worth $2 less than the day before, but as a shareholder next week, of course you're going to get it in your account now, but there was a time when you'd get a check in the mail three weeks now for your $2 a share. So whatever it was worth before, it's worth two dollars less because you just got two dollars from the place, right? I mean, if you any yeah, kind of you, it's it's your bank. It, look at it this way: your bank account. If you look at it like your bank account, if you withdraw the two dollars, <laughs> your yeah. bank account is worth two dollars less. But now, if I if my bonus if my strike price is one hundred five, you'd either have to do one of two things: you either need to adjust it down to one hundred three, okay, if it's a legitimate price to begin with, which, or you or 
you're going to say, I'm never going to get there. That's, that's not, that's not what kind of compensation is that? But if I say, what if we, what if we, the place starts paying 110 for the stock and I got my strike price at 105, all of a sudden my ears perk up, that I'll vote for, right? <laughs> it's like free beer. Well, yeah. So, you know. so the, the real question is then is how, how do you get a board and how do you get, um, you know, CEOs and, and so on to, to act in the best interests of the, of the, business of the corporation rather than the the best interests of themselves or how do you align those interests properly and there have been many attempts to try and align those interests there have been many attempts to uh, try and um, try and you know impose uh, restrictions on there and even to the point of California uh, requiring that all California based corporations, have a certain percentage of women on their board because that's whether they're doing it for equity. Uh, I, I think some of the justifications I've read about that are that they'll they'll make different kinds of decisions, and the answer is, has proven to be no, they won't. No, they won't. <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, I mean, the, the uh, without disparaging anybody, when when a lot of the firms decided they wanted to have minorities on the board, there, there was a. I, I should be accurate here, but I'm going to say I'll just use the word multiple. Uh, one lady ran was it was it NYU or was she, some some university in New York, and without without a question, probably a very accomplished, uh, very bright lady. And she, I think she was on. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say multiple boards. Uh, I was on a small board, and I knew how much time that took, and it affected my trading and my performance as a as a you know head of my firm and the traders that work for me. Probably way too much, and it was it was a board I was familiar with. The board meetings were in the same building, you know. I mean, uh, it, you didn't have to yeah, you didn't have to take a plane to the no. board meeting. Well, we had a couple in New York every year, but I mean, by and large, it was if you did the job at all right and read the stuff and went to the satellite meetings and was a committee chair and all that stuff, and I was on a couple of subcommittees. How I could have done like let's say seven or eight of these while I was ahead of a of a major university. Come on, Kevin. I mean, who's kidding who? I mean, uh, and then there was there was a, a there was a black couple between the two of them were on something like fifteen or eighteen boards. Yeah, I mean, I, I and that that is one area that's been cleaned up a lot. Yeah, I think it is. Um, we, you know, they're disallowing serving on that many boards. But I would, I would, I can torpedo you, which is, which is a good thing because you really, you know, first of all, you can get across purposes with uh, the different companies' objectives, but. Uh, more to the point is it's exactly what you're describing. It's impossible to serve that many, uh, to serve well on that many boards. I, I will, I will, I'll bet you a dollar, uh, Mortimer, that, uh, neither of those three people ever voted no on a pay raise on any board they were ever on. Just saying. Yeah, maybe. Uh, cause I heard, there's an article here, this, uh, Laura Kaladny, and I think we've, I think we've, uh, Quoted from her before. She writes nice stuff. Uh, well, we got to get her on the on the show. I would love. Well, so the Musk 2018 CEO Performance Award consisted of a 101.3 million stack hours. Wow. 101.3. Now, why not 101 or 101.6? Why 101.3? When there is a question that ex- that exact, I wonder why was that the number, Kevin? Whether they divide into something to get the 101.3. 
The plan said Musk would only be paid if he reached those milestones which focused on Tesla's market value and operations. Otherwise, the CEO would receive nothing. Meanwhile, Musk is very pissed off at Joe Biden, by the way. I don't know if you read that, because he didn't mention all the good stuff he did in the, in the, in the State of the Union regarding uh, satellites over Ukraine. You think the guy's gotten enough money from the government with these carbon things that they sell to everybody else? This company ever made a dime without that carbon stuff? If, what is it? It's questionable. So I'll get a load of this. Uh, th- this guy, Tornetta, is the guy who filed the suit, seeks to invalidate the option grant from the 2018 plan, which has netted Musk tens of billions of dollars worth of stock at present value. Now, there's no doubt the guy is a, is a genius. Uh, he's, he's, a, he's a far thinker, and he's been a, you know, he deserves like a real lot of pay and, he, and whatever. Uh, but the question is always how much. Kevin, is it, could, could five billion be enough? Ten? Does it need to be fifty? Does it need to be a hundred? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, there's a, there's a concept for that in, in economics called. Well, and, and I'm, I'm not going to be one who's going to say we should cap the earnings too. It's, no. Um, no, but what percentage? I, I, I'm never going to align with that, but I am going to align with making sure that people, investors especially, but also customers and, and, and so on, really understand uh, you know where where their uh, money is going, and if their money is going, you know, strictly to Elon Musk, then okay, it, you can make that choice. Well, I mean, it's a, uh, if you ever been involved, you, think in you a, can ride that wave and and ride that wave to uh, in your own self interest. Cool, but I wonder how many people really know that. I wonder how I wonder how many people have significant fund portions, you know, for their uh, uh, retirement funds um, that are uh, invested in that. I wonder how many. Uh, uh, customers know, uh, you know how much is how much is going on, and, and to me that's you know that's really I, I, I'm a big fan of uh, information, but we don't we don't do information well in this country. We do information about stupid stuff in way too large a proportion, and it crowds out a lot of the uh, information flow on important information. Well, the uh, plus every, every person is different, so you got to be real careful that you don't like. Well, you know, here's what this alleges. Then I'll, then I'll give it another argument. The shareholder alleged that Tesla board members had undisclosed conflicts and said Musk crafted his own pay plan with personal assistance of one of his, of his former divorce attorney, Todd Marin, who was also Tesla's general counsel. So how, how does the guy be the general counsel to place and be his personal attorney? Turnetta claimed that Tesla's board didn't disclose all the information it should have to shareholders before a proxy vote to approve the play, pay plan. But I... This is, is we've crossed over into this, this area, Kevin, and I, 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 boy, you know, being on a board is tough and coming up with pay plans, but one, one thing's kind of for sure. If, if you had, uh, I don't know, I mean, say, say you're an Andrew Carnegie or you're, uh, or you're, you know, Joe, Joe Schmo who, who, who invented, you know, say he invented penicillin and all of a sudden he becomes the head of, you know, uh, XYZ, uh, you know, uh, Drug company that's making a bazillion dollars on penicillin, and the guy has three, four other things. And, and by the way, he's a pretty, he's a pretty good administrator as well, and the place does incredibly well. And and he does, and the board is very thankful to him. All of a sudden, you know, the guy guy gets he's off hang lighting somewhere, and he runs into a a jet, and he's dead. Now the next guy, now does the does the chairman of the drug company is he really worth ten million a year? Or you just get this other guy. Interview him, and he, he never, he's not an engineer, he's not a chemist, he's not anything. He's just gonna, he's just gonna take cash the checks that the other guy brought in. Is he worth the same amount or more? I don't know. 
I mean, at some point. Yeah, but I, I get what you're saying is that that we may look at Elon Musk as the uh, the brains behind the whole thing, the guy who drove it, sort of like Steve Jobs at Apple or some, something like that. And and you're right. It's an interesting question to say: is, is the next guy in line as valuable as Steve Jobs? Plus, is the we next guy in in line as valuable as uh, Elon Musk. And um, because once you've set that standard for um, for what the job pays, it's never it never finds a way to go lower, does it? No. Plus, you some people. I mean, I think that some guys are pretty good at the beginning, like a, a Bill Gates and somebody. At the end of the day, I, I think all these drug companies do is buy find their research is spectacular. They find every small firm that actually is doing something that makes that is uh, terrific, and they buy the place. Well, I, I don't. I don't. I can do that, Kevin. <laughs> I have my scientists. Well, I, I, I've said that a lot. Yeah. That, that what we've what we've done, and it's it, it's partly with the the tax code. It's partly with the investment environment. There, you know, there's a lot of factors in there, but we have a, a an economy that incentivizes um, basically uh, finance and tax expertise uh, instead of uh, operation operational excellence and uh, innovation. Um, now you know certain you know clearly there are uh, there are innovators who have reaped big rewards and and that the economy has rewarded them and musk would be among them but um, but in, in general um, you know it just that ability that uh, operational ability to grind out a product that uh, day in day out um, that is excellent that is ever better quality uh, that the price is you know the the cost behind it is incrementally less, and you you know you do a really good job with that. We don't reward that. No, no, uh, we don't reward that nearly as much as we do the ability to uh, put together an acquisition. Well, and and one thing that is, uh, as you know, has gotten me grumpy as I've aged is I, I used to think that if you could just kind of fix the wrongs, um, that somehow or other things even out again. Now I'm convinced they never do. I mean the the fact that that, that Commonwealth Edison. Let's say was on the edge of the law in 1932. They've never looked back on it, Kevin. I mean, it's, it's like the people who were the first people overseas to steal on their taxes. And they got away with it for what twenty some years. Till I'm not so sure that actually we have some people who think that the current laws even makes it easier for people to do that. But say say the law fixed it, uh, the people that instead of paying 35 percent of their taxes paid five for a period of 20 years. And bought all these companies from that money. The people who paid thirty-five percent, Kevin, they will never catch up. They will never catch up, and, and, and that's the part I have, I have a real problem with. I mean, right now you you can't fight Commonwealth Edison. It's in, it's impossible. I mean, they're they're embedded. They've given everybody money. The thought of bringing them to justice, if there is such a thing, if they I mean if they actually have done anything wrong, but I mean, yeah, you, you're not, you're not going to go get. Uh, the drug company that was first overseas that bought three other drug companies with that money when they could outbid everybody else because they weren't paying taxes, you'll never then bring them back to ground. You'll never be able to compete with them, ever. And and Because every year they're going to raise the price of going through the FDA. One of these years it'll be $10 billion to get a drug through there, and there'll only be five companies that have the $10 billion, and guess what? Everybody else is going to have to sell to them for pennies on the dollar before they get anything approved. It, it just, it, but I, I used to think that this would all gradually even back out. No, when you get an advantage for one or two years, you never look back. I don't think, unless you really screw it up. I was, I don't know, it's a bad, 
which which there are people who, who do that too. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You could you could <laughs> screw it up so bad by by paying the wrong people so much, and you could pay up for the wrong company and totally screw yourself. I mean, it's not like you can't do it, right? But yeah, <laughs> but ultimately, I get your point, and and I, I think it's true. I, I don't blame people for taking advantage of what the tax codes and the laws will allow them. I, I don't blame them for that. I do blame, you know, the fact that we that we let it get to that. This is, you know, how many times am I going to say this? You know, this is this is the problem with uh, with more government, with you know, with complicated tax uh, codes, with all of this kind of stuff. The problem is um, that there are consequences, some intended, some not, that. Uh, that are, are not well understood um, when when legislation passes. So everything it gets a nice name and it sounds like it's something that we should be doing, and in fact it is something that we do that uh, that just rewards the same people. That you know every time we do something on behalf of the little guy, um, quote in, in quotes on behalf of the little guy, we find out. That um, it's the, uh, the the people who can afford the workarounds to it are the people with a lot of money behind them. That the, you know, it's the big guy, it's the company with a lot of capital, because you create these compliance activities that go with it, and the and compliance is a bigger percentage burden on small companies than it is on big companies. So the big companies scream about it, and they you know they say, oh please don't do that, that would be an unfair burden, but they're laughing all the way. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, then they go. Hey, real quick, we we got two minutes. As our friend matches, let me know uh, what uh, Carl's uh, lose discussion with me yesterday. I uh, mean, basically telling me that any kind of uh, logic that I have, economic or whatever, does not apply to people like Putin. And you know what? I've been thinking about it. I think Lou's probably right, and I'm probably wrong yet again. Uh, but what does that mean then? If everything you every are, are we talking about this is going to end up with him in a bunker somewhere shooting himself and half the world screwed up like last time? If the guy will not take, oh, you know, could I, you know? I, I I'll be interested to uh, to watch this on so many levels because at this point that's really all we have left to do is to watch it. We're not, you know, uh, it's it's going to unfold. However, it's going to unfold. I am sure eventually um, Russian military might will overcome because it will, but that. That could still result in uh, a resistance like uh, like the Chechens have uh, consistently resisted, like the Afghans did. Um, so uh, I, I don't I, I don't see how this will end well for Putin. Um, but by the same token, um, you know where's he uh, where's he going to drive this um, along the way is actually I think but a, is a pretty interesting thing. And I don't have a prediction. Yeah, I don't either. No clue. I just hope that, uh, I mean, Lou's probably right in the sense that, uh, in his mind, it's ours, it's always been ours, this is an aberration, why does everybody else care, and by the way, it's none of their damn business, I don't, boy, I tell you what, he, you know, I, I'm sure that that is, you know, Lou's probably absolutely right, the guy's written right. it down. The one right? thing I'll say is that, um, uh, that, that we have a, a tendency, uh, and, I, and I think most, most, this isn't just a United States thing, it's a lot of them, we, we have a tendency to look at, um, the 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 opposition as uh, madmen or foolish or stupid, and I don't I, I, I don't I don't want to say that Putin is a 
brilliant man or anything like that, but he's shrewd. And uh, they have a, they have a, um, he, he's good at what he does, even though we don't like what he does. Um, in, in many ways, he isn't. And I would not treat him as a stupid man. No, I would. Um, we got a dash, but I'm, I'll say it this way. He has a skill set, and you have to respect that. Yeah, I, th- I think so, or at least acknowledge it and deal with yeah. it. That's the Futures down 32, and has that Futures down 94. We'll come back a little bit. Come back, we'll have Mr. Carl Denninger. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body, too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Something happening here. Lord, we're back. Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tamawi. Mr. Matt Byrne on the board. SP Futures down 35. The SP Futures down 101. We were worse. Uh, do we have Mr. Carl? Hello. How are you doing? Doing good. We uh, missed you for a couple of weeks, but uh, boy, Kevin and I opened up all kinds of cans of worms here in the first half hour. We got Musk uh, being sued for taking too much money out of the place. We've got uh, Commonwealth Edison and Michael Madigan. We've got... Uh, a little war going on. We've got a nuclear power plant being taken over. Uh, for God's sake, uh, Russian stock market closed. Uh, ruble down twenty or thirty uh, percent. Gee, bud, where do you want to start? Well, <laughs> how, how about inflation? Uh, well, that's another one. I, 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 well, and, and oh, by the way, did you did you notice that Putin going into the into Ukraine? By the way, I have people arguing with me over whether or not it's Ukraine or the Ukraine. Both can technically be correct because Ukraine was not a singular piece of property. So it was a descriptor 
for a collection of things. Um, of course, most most simps these days, their attention span is approximately the length of the you know something that shows up on their iPhone screen. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the beat of a hummingbird. We, the beat of a hummingbird. <laughs> well, yeah, about you know. The, what I think is is rather interesting about this entire sordid story so far is that if you just take a look at what the United States has done over the last oh let's see twenty years, okay, when the USSR blew up and collapsed, they scrapped the Warsaw Pact, right, which was all of the Soviet satellite states. Mutual defense. One of us gets attacked, we'll all be attacked, and uh, presumably uh, the the Soviet Union nukes whoever it is that did it, which of course invokes Article Five, and then you know, and then we all nuke each other, right? It, and and this was the whole thing about uh, uh, you know Nike bases outside every city because that was the last possibility of intercepting a warhead that was about to turn you into a ball of red mist. So they, that's that's all nice and well, except. When the Warsaw Pact was scrapped, we told the Russians that we would not be expanding NATO because we didn't have any reason to do it anymore. The Russians were done. Well, in 2004, uh, you should take a look at the list of former Soviet satellites that were admitted to NATO. And in 2014, we, the United States, openly fomented a shooting revolution in the Ukraine. And, and this was this was not, you know, some kind of, of secret black bag CIA thing, although I'm sure there was plenty of that that was going on too. John McCain went over to Maiden Square and gave a speech in support of the revolution. A sitting U.S. senator. So... I am, I am, you know, pardon me if I'm a little less than um, enthused with the idea that everything is all fine and well, and oh, by the way, this is all just a madman over in Russia who has decided he wants to put the band back together. Well, it never, um, never, never is always all one side, Carl, we both know that. Maybe. Well, yeah, and the, first, and the first casualty of war is truth. Okay, so you cannot believe anything that's coming out of either of these sides. You know, the, the latest thing last night is the Russians are shelling a nuclear plant. Okay. Um, okay, except there was video posted where it was very clear that somebody at the plant was firing RPGs from the inside of the perimeter out. So who's doing what now again? Well, yeah, well, you have a, it's a... Uh... <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those uh one's a commando and one's a terrorist, right? I mean it's uh Well yeah, it depends on which side you're on, right? So then last night Lindsey Graham shows up on Twitter and explicitly calls for Putin's assassination. Uh that's not good. Well, you know, it, it first off, Twitter supposedly has a, a rule that says that you cannot engage in targeted harassment or threats. Um, it, it doesn't apply to U.S. senators if you're threatening to assassinate Putin? Uh, the rules of right now, we, we seem to have problems with rules all across the board, don't we? I mean, tell well, you know, you were talking about the thing with ComEd. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
gee, when I was running my internet company up there in Chicago, we had this rule that there were these things called tariffs for wire services from the various phone companies. And the whole point of a tariff is that if I buy a service from that company, I get charged the same price as Joe does. Because that company has a monopoly. And most of the monopoly is something you can't do anything about because it's based upon the fact that they were given rights of way that other people can't get. So Joe that wants to try to compete with them can't put a cable in or a fiber optic line or whatever where that other one is or in a reasonably competitive place because there's no access to the poles and the tunnels and the, 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 I mean, you've got one company that has access. Same thing with, with electric power. You, you cannot choose who drops the wire from the pole or from the underground pedestal to your house or your business. It, there's one company that does it because they have a monopoly on the rights of way. Okay, this is why we have this re- these regulations. It makes sense. It's intelligent. Um, except in the 1990s, there were creative things done to get around these tariffs. And some people got the benefit of those, and some other people got screwed. Right. Oh, yeah. So, you know, and, and the thing is, is, isn't the essence of competition in business that you figure out how to produce the same thing in some way costing you less in the cost of the inputs? There, how else do you become more competitive? There isn't a way to do well, it. Well, you, you don't want to become more competitive. You want to become less if you're that person. Right, but you want to force other people to not be able to get around whatever you've done. I'll give you a, a real, well, your example is a good one. I'll give you a real simple one for something as, as very simple as stocks and jacks. When we started the, and uh, help me here, which line am I talking about? A DSL line or an ISDN line? ISDN is, a, is just a, 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 a one for your computer, right? Well, ISDN was was essentially two channels that would otherwise be for speech bonded together. So you got 144 kilobits out of it. All right, that's what I'm talking about. We, you had a, a box called a Telos box. There were a couple other brands that when Jen and I were on the score, and when we first went to another station from here, I could. I could dial into any station I wanted using my ISDN line with this Telos box. You just hit the numbers in. They right. give you, and when when and you were, the, the, it was so pure, you swear you were in the studio. Absolutely swear you were in the studio. Totally, oh yeah, no, we sold those. Yeah, to, totally idiot proof. And uh, all of a sudden, and, and we used to pay Sprint, I think, because we were on in Phoenix, we were on somewhere else. We would we would pay Sprint like two hundred hours a month. To go to, uh, for the, for the line charges to go from here to Phoenix, which, you know, wasn't bad, I didn't think. And, uh, cause we were on, you know, we're on two hours a day. And, uh, and you got two lines, and they're digital lines, right? Anyway, so, right. uh, so, all of a sudden the, the bill from AT&T is 300 a month, 350, 400, 600. Right. You know, you know how far we went with AT&T, Carl? To the alley. Right. To the alley. Yeah, I believe it. And, uh, so I, I, so I called them and I called the state regulators. Oh, it's, it's right here in this bill passed last year. They don't, they, they don't want to do copper anymore. And I said, well, why didn't you morons force them to sell it to somebody else? Which actually, they did, I believe, in Denver. They, all the AT&T downtown old copper lines, which by the way are still pretty idiot proof. Now there's maintenance to them. There's, they're idiot proof and they're clear as a bell. And by the way, you can't hack into them, right? Uh, without, without having a warrant. And uh, they, in, in Denver, they they sold all that to Hughes, I believe. So they, but here 
instead of instead of we don't want to maintain capital lines. Why don't you let us just keep raising the price to our customers till we're we're, we're forcing them to, to to try something else? Well, that's interesting, Kyle. That Illinois went around with that. Why why should I be paying three times as much to go to the alley as I do the rest of the country? These idiots. Well, it was uh, you know there was a, a similar thing that went on when DSL first started. We had every one of the the so-called third-party companies, which was Rhythms, North Point, and uh, and there was another one. I don't remember what the other one was, but there were three. They all came into my office and pitched this idea that we should partner with them, and and essentially what they were doing was buying dry pairs from Ameritech, uh, which were sold for alarm monitoring purposes. Okay, and they were they were pretty cheap. They were about eight dollars a month. Um, and and putting electronics on both ends of them, and that was how they were making the DSL work. And and <laughs> I said, you know, there's a problem here, um, and that is number one, you guys are not profitable. You don't make any money. I don't see how you ever do at the price that you're charging. And if Ameritech manages to find some way to stop you from getting these circuits for eight dollars a month, and all of a sudden they become twenty or thirty dollars. Not only will you not ever make any money, you'll instantly go bankrupt. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And and oh by the way, my name will be on the service when it happens, not yours. So what's going to happen if that occurs is that I'm going to have a whole bunch of people, maybe tens of thousands of people, who are really, really angry at me. And how how do I you know, how do I navigate that as a business person? Well, I didn't have an answer. Oh, that won't happen. Well, as a matter of fact, it did happen, and all of those companies went under. But well, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I don't. Uh, when, when when you talk to step back a little bit on the idea with uh, the uh, Ukraine, I mean, there's clearly business to be done over there. Right? How did how did how did that thing all mess up the the original guy, the guy with the palace? Because you've been writing about talking about Yakovich. Yeah, the original guy, the guy with all the dough. I thought Biden's kid and Flynn and all those guys were all were all sucking money off him. Oh, you know what? We 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 should. There is a rumor floating around, which is partially verified, that the comedian that's that was his job before he became current president right. of Ukraine somehow managed to amass himself over a billion dollars, including a thirty-five million dollar mansion in Miami. These guys are special, aren't they? Could you mind telling me how in the blankety-blank you managed to get that kind of money? I mean, obviously, he didn't get it telling jokes. So um, does anybody really think that when we egged on this this revolution, which is what it was, they actually they shot people yeah. and drove this guy out of office, and, and we, you know, we got a government that's, oh, my gosh, they're very friendly to the West, they're friendly to America. Okay, that's fantastic. Except... Um, didn't all we do is change who got paid the bribes? Uh, probably. Uh, well, okay, so um, so he has the appearance of being a citizen politician, but if this if this is true that he has all this money in offshore accounts, um, he certainly didn't get it telling jokes. So, have we really changed anything over there? I, I think the answer is no. Ukraine has been. A, a basically a fleecing ground 
for various rich and powerful people for a very long time, they're not, they don't have, I mean, if you look at the pipeline network that goes across the country, almost none, essentially zero, of the commodity that flows through there actually originates there. They're just right. a transit hub, basically. And, and and also, as a former Soviet satellite, there's a lot of other things. I mean, you know, Chernobyl was there, right? And it yeah. still is. Uh, and what a lot of people don't realize is that, yes, okay, one of those, you know, the, the one reactor that blew up the RMBK that exploded, um, because they were doing stupid things, by the way, that wasn't a regular, that was, an, that was not an accident, it was an incident. They were operating it outside the safe zone of operation. That's why it happened. And, th- but there are still power production facilities in that immediate area and there in fact there's a really large one which was the one that everyone's talking about now is you know was being shelled last night well but but just to go back to the beginning of what you're you're talking about here i think uh there's a i've I've talked when you were on before about a friend of mine who uh was working with the un and uh and she ended up with a un passport of all things by the way what i'll ask you you're a worldly what what color is a un un passport I don't know, but I'd like to know how you, how you, I mean, isn't a passport a recognition of sovereignty, you know, a citizenship under a particular sovereign government? Uh, they give you one that, uh, you're traveling under the auspices of the UN. You're still in the US. Well, I, I understand that, but isn't, isn't the premise of a passport that? Uh, probably, but they, I'm sure they can do whatever they want. Oh, gee, I, that got corrupted too, huh? <laughs> yeah, anyway, anyway, the color is purple. A nice, okay. a nice, nice, you know, a nice purple. Uh, and, uh, they were doing some work with, uh, the, the UN in, in order to increase, uh, try and increase both the, uh, you know, the efficiency and the, and what, what people are shipping worldwide is they were trying to put these, well, first of all, they wanted the, the countries, these are, you know, weird countries, to, uh, seed them a chunk of land. And it was being done under the sports authority group of the, of the UN. So essentially they were going to be building Soccer fields in these places. Oh, by right. the way, they were also going to build a hospital because they wanted a hospital that at least worked in these t- in these horrible places. And they were gonna, they were going to do it on water. So part of the deal was there was when you uh, container you know because everything ships now pretty not everything but pretty much everything uh, ships in containers that uh, they were going to have an X-ray facility. X-ray again is not the right term. They have a, a, a the military came up with something that they can X-ray. Again, I'm using the wrong term. A container and tell you not only is there some round object in there, they can tell you it's a basketball. But it's really serious stuff. Uh, you probably know more, more more about this than me. And don't want to talk about it. But anyway, the idea is they would take a picture of it, the initiating port, take a picture of it when it showed up in New Orleans, and if they didn't match, they would reject it. The idea of stop stopping a lot of uh, anyway. Uh, her job was to hook together the payment for all this stuff. Well, of course, right. part of the payment, in, every, in a couple places they went first, and by the way, she couldn't wait to get out of this, so she said, not my job after about four months, so she was going and gave the passport back, but the, uh, was that the, the, the leader, the leader, uh, the dear leader, the, the grand leader, wherever he was, uh, would, like a buck or two every time would go right to his Swiss bank account. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, and she just she she was appalled at the corruption and said, "I can't be part of this," and, and, and bailed. And I don't I don't know if it ever got it off the ground or not. But the point being, what you brought up is is if the guy before with the palace 
has you know fifteen bank accounts all over the place with all this this this, this loot loot stashed. With, I don't know how else you say it from the south side. The new guy coming in probably is going to find a way to to swing five or half of those at least to him. And a new guy doesn't. What if you kill the old guy? It's not like the stuff disappears. It's going someplace. Right. I mean, I I mean, you and I might if if we if we were the people they stuck in office, we might say all this money goes back to the treasury. But we'd be very rare birds if we did that in the world. I mean, in the U.S. we might do that. Other places, I don't think you do that. <laughs> I mean, you may say, well, I need some money in here in case somebody comes after me, so I'll, I'll kick seventy percent of it back to the fifty percent back to the treasury while while I'm telling them I'm doing all. But oh, by the way, this mansion in, in, in Miami, I just happen to keep in case the next guy comes after me. At least I got a house to go live in. I mean, you're going to find some excuse for not kicking it all back, right? Well, I think you're going to find some excuse for not kicking any of it back if you can. Right. Well, I mean, I, I just uh, you know, I, I just I find the you know the pearl clutching that that we like to do on stuff like this to be ridiculous, and it, it, this is uh, you know Ukraine is not the only or even the most you know the the most egregious example of this. It's been going on for an awfully long time, but it points out the hazard that we have in a situation like this, and the the. The latest allegation that came out last night uh, that I saw it was about four. It was actually in the afternoon. It was about four or five o'clock. Uh, is that Putin is now claiming that one of the reasons he went in there is that Ukraine is attempting to assemble and construct nuclear weapons, which, of course, having them on his border is something that uh, he he thinks is probably about as wise as you know Cuba having a bunch of missiles pointed at us, right? Which, which, by the way, we provoked by putting new missiles in Turkey. Does does everybody remember this? Yeah, we didn't. We didn't. We didn't provoke by putting them there. We, I remember reading about the Cuban Missile Crisis, and I talked about it yesterday. That somewhere during the uh, that Kennedy told our people because the ones in Turkey were old and, and probably wouldn't even work. They were. They were. They had been there for a long time, and. Uh, and, and when this was brought up and at the negotiations, they said, what about the ones in Turkey? I think Kennedy's first response to the military is, you bleeps didn't pull those things out of there like I told you? I think he thought they were, he, he had given the order for them to be disassembled. I don't think they even worked anymore. They were just there. But it, Uh-oh, he, I think he, I lost you. But no, he, but he, Kennedy was very pissed off that they had not already removed them because I think he had given the order, hadn't he? Are you there? We're gonna have to re- reconnect with Carl, but I think that, I think that was the deal. I, but we'll have to go back. We gotta go get him, Matt. Sometimes he breaks off. The uh, yeah, I mean the, the interesting part about this, and, I, and as I you know try and ask as many questions from people here as I can for the listeners to, to learn, and me too, by the way. Uh, there's always a whole bunch of different levels of conversation on these things, and who did what, where, and uh, you know how corrupt is this guy, how corrupt is that guy, and. I think one of the things that um, in this country, because you don't see it as much, at least on the top level, although I think you see it on lower levels, uh, is we are pretty much unique, as much as anybody likes to criticize, including me. There are not many other places in the world, maybe Britain, maybe maybe France, I don't know, maybe the uh, where you do have people that have public service. So you do have the Paul Simons of the world, the Adley Stevensons, the people that actually go... To, to Carl's voicemail, you know the drill. Okay. Message and I'll get back to you. 
That's right. not good. Uh, we have Carl's voicemail. He'll, he'll probably call back and maybe his phone. I can't imagine a guy. Maybe Putin is, is, is uh, jamming Carl's phone. That's, that's possible. Uh, anyway, but yeah, there's, there's all kinds of, of levels to this. And when Ukraine is trying to figure out who their allies are, yeah, they, they probably were somewhat allied with, with Russia and, uh, Russia thinks they're still a satellite or, or worse. And yet they look at Russia and they see the world's most corrupt place. Uh, and they don't want to be any part of it. You know, but even though, but now they're pretty corrupt too in some ways. The idea of having a, a clean government, I mean, is so rare in the world that, you know, we should, I mean, I really believe that we should make sure that ours stays that way or, or returns to being that way or, or is always driven towards being more like that. I mean, I, I don't, I don't remember, uh, I'm sure they were there, but I don't remember certainly coming out of Illinois, the world's most allegedly corrupt. Okay, the, uh, the, uh, you know, the world's most corrupt state. And we've had, we had a steady string of senators that I think were totally above board. I mean, incredibly above board. Like, like lifetime, you know, people that gave lifetimes to, uh, you know, to essentially public service. I don't think Paul Douglas was a crook. I don't think Adley Steve. I don't think Edward Dirksen was. And now you see people, you know, you look at the money Nancy Pelosi's wife has made. You look at how much McConnell's wife was, who's been on the board of Wells Fargo or something. You look at who's the guy, uh, uh, whose wife was on the board of Enron. Phil Graham, uh, Wendy Graham. Now, all of a sudden now, we're, we're starting to look, at least at the higher levels of our government, like some of these places. Where people are walking away with this massive booty, you know, coming out of coming out of government. I don't I don't mind people getting I don't think, for instance, a senator if they got paid a million dollars a year, I wouldn't wouldn't bother me in the least. I think that they probably should get paid a million dollars a year or more. But the idea that you get paid less than that and you take all you can, it's like a Chicago alderman for God's sake. I mean I you know, I I, I, have, I have no interest in any in that stuff, no matter what. But uh but as as to what level when you see something like this happening in Ukraine and you and you uh you do have somebody like like Lindsey Graham saying what he did last night I'm assuming it was on Twitter it's true uh I you know I these are these are somewhat acts of warfare I mean the, the, if you uh trying to put a country under economically I mean are, are we the, the the definition that we're giving to our people that we should do all and I'm not saying we shouldn't I'm not making that play I'm just saying if you're going to say that Okay. Hey, Carl. Hey, you know, I'm not quite sure what happened there. I, I wonder I, if somebody didn't like us having this conversation. I think, <laughs> I, I think, I think Putin, uh, you know, I get what I was saying while you, you were, you were uh, not there is that th- this whole concept, as much as we totally ragged our, our, our government, I mean, when our government, the, the people are saying, you know, even out of Illinois, the Paul Simons, the Adley Stevenson, the Edward Dirksons, the Chuck Percy's, even the Peter Fitzgeralds, I think we're we're pretty ab- above board. Uh, matter of fact, totally. I mean, they, they didn't come back and have bazillions of dollars. They came and taught, you know, political science at a local college. For God's sake, the I mean, the idea that we we better make sure we keep ourselves together because the rest of the world is not like this. Europe, well, maybe. I'm not so sure that that's necessarily so true anymore. I mean, well, take I'm a look with at, you, there. At, yeah. you know Pelosi's wealth over the last uh, however many years and her family. Um, and you know the screaming that she did recently about oh you can't you can't do anything about uh, people in Congress trading stocks in front of of bills that are being heard yeah. in our committees. 
Unless every other single employee of the federal government cannot own any stock. Well, why, you know, I guess, that's what I'm saying. If, if I was, you know, talking to the whole country, which I'm never going to do, but if I did, I, my, my message would be, you have to embrace how rare this is. And when somebody like her, and I'll, and I'll, I'll add Wendy Graham, uh, I'll, add, oh, yeah. I'll add Schumer's wife, not Schumer, uh, what's his name, uh, 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 McConnell's wife, I mean, oh yeah, McConnell. Well, McConnell's wife is an especially egregious example. Yeah, I'm saying, but it, it, it seems like it's the top layer of Congress. But it, I'll bet, uh, Carl, if we if we if we scrubbed out the the bottom hundred bottom, the the most recent youngest 150 people in the House of Representatives, we probably wouldn't find any of that, or very little bit. Well, you know, speaking of that, there was a there was a guy that I uh, strongly supported. It was not in my district at the time. It was a number of years ago. His name was Benevolio. Uh, he was representing a district in Michigan. And uh, he and I had a number of conversations. I even ran some ads for him on a, uh, a comp basis. You know, we had to report the value of it to, you know, their campaign purposes. Uh, but uh, he, <laughs> when he got to D.C., uh, one of the things I was going to do for him on a pro bono basis was to uh, set up a secure communications facility for him and his staff members that was completely outside of anybody else, and it was entirely controlled by him. Carl, it's a good story. Why don't you save it to after break, because I want to hear it unabridged. Yep. SP Futures are uh, down 35, kind of where they have been. NASDAQ Futures down 104. Be right back. Stacks and Jackson. Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas, and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues Issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. 
Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, North Bay Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Alley. This is in front of the, on the board. Uh, we have the uh, jobs number 678. We'll have to have Carl talk about that, too, as well. All kinds of stuff. we got a war. we got jobs numbers. we got all kinds of things going on. Unemployment rate 3.8. Uh, looks like a pretty good, uh, pretty good report across the board here, although kind of surprising. The hourly earnings barely budged. They were supposed to go up pretty much, and they barely budged. Uh, like I said, SP futures down 28 now, NASDAQ is down 74, so we've come back, uh, from this number. Dow futures down about 300. Bernasia, these guys, they can't, they can't move on the job numbers. They're closed. They've had a rough morning. Nikkei down 591, 2.2%. Shanghai down 33.1%, of a full 1%. Hang Seng down 562. That's a two and a half percent. That's a big move there. They're down to 21,905 in Hang Seng. Uh, so they've been kind of getting whacked. The, uh, yesterday was a way of review. Dow was down 96. S&P down 23. NASDAQ down a pull 214. That's one and a half percent. Over in Europe, we've got the DAX down 414. That's three percent. These guys are really getting clobbered. Putsi down 231, 3.2%. Kakaran down 209, 3.3%. So across the board, Europe, whack, whack. Uh, bonds 1.77 down seven basis points. Get a look at this. The, uh, bond is minus 0.04, uh, so they're back into the negative territory. Uh, they must be pouring all kinds of money in their, their, their system over there. Japan, uh, down, uh, let's say one basis point to, uh, 0.16. Oil up another 355 to 111.22. Run up 327, 113.73. Natural gas up 11 cents, 43. Uh, our Bob up another 11 cents, 339. Our Bob's gotta be up like 70 cents in a week. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that even, well, maybe the, the first era of, uh, Iraq war, I'm not sure. But, but I'll have to go back and look at some of that. Gold up 10 bucks, 1945. Silver up 9 cents, 2531. Copper up 6 cents, 484. And we've got Bitcoin now down 284, 41,749. So down about 15, almost 2,000 off its high of two days ago. Matt, what do you got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Good morning. It is currently 7.34 a.m., March 4th. Let's get you into sports. In the NBA, the Bulls lost to ATL Hawks last night at 130-124. to Tonight, you can expect the Phoenix Suns and the Knicks. Uh, over in the NHL, the Blackhawks beat the Oilers last night 4-3, to and the Coyotes beat Avalanches 2-1. to Both the Blackhawks and Coyotes play again Saturday night. In college basketball last night, Arizona Wildcats beat Stanford 81-69. Illinois beat Penn State 60-55. Currently in weather in Chicago, partly cloudy, 32 degrees, high of 39, and a low of 32. Over in Phoenix, partly cloudy, 62, high of 68, and a low of 51. Now onto the traffic currently in Chicago. Uh, be mindful of the ramp closure to, due to police activity at Independence and Central Park uh, uh, because eastbound on 290 Highway to 45 to downtown, uh, there's currently uh, 
high traffic there. Uh, eastbound on 290 ramp closure at Independence due to police activity. Uh, traffic westbound 290 between Laramie and Harlem. Traffic eastbound 90 between I-90 rust ramp to Lawrence. Traffic westbound 90 between Lawrence and West Higgins. Traffic between eastbound, traffic eastbound 94 westbound I-94 east ramp to South Union. Traffic westbound 94 between I-30th, 130th, uh, between 130th and West Augusta. Uh, traffic between northbound 55 between uh, Route 171 and 190 West Ramp. Uh, and that is due to an accident at South Damon and South Ashland. Southbound Lakeshore between East Oakwood and East Grand. That's all we got. Back to you, Chief. It seems like enough. You got enough of your police here. You got accidents there, for God's sake. And it's everywhere. I'd turn back if I were you. <laughs> Carl, uh, we got to talk a little about labor numbers. Just hold that story for five minutes. What, is this like the world's best report or what? Well, okay. So on the surface, this looks like a really good report. Right? I mean, it's... <laughs> You'd look at that uh, headline number and you'd say, oh, that, you know, there's no way to say that sucks. Um, The unadjusted headline is plus 1.324 million. Wow. That's, that, that is a, that's a monster, especially for February. Um, These are, these numbers in February are usually, uh, around plus a million. That's uh, the you know that's a historical average. Is that it tends to be about there. So you know this is three hundred thousand over the you know somewhere between one hundred three hundred thousand over the uh, the normal February number. So it's although if you look back at like uh, you know twenty seventeen twenty eighteen you saw some you know some million some million twos some million fives. I mean it's so you go back far enough. It's you know before before COVID. Um, so the unadjusted number looks kind of like a normal February print, right? I mean, it's it's sort of up the middle. But the internals are interesting. And this is, uh, yeah, this is what I always look at is, okay, you know, who who won, who lost, right? Um, and the part-time for non-economic reasons and economic reasons between the two of them was up over a million, from last month. Okay. So you're working, but you're not working full time, and it's not because you didn't want to. Here's the other sort of nasty thing. Um, goods producing wages were actually down a nickel an hour. Yeah, that's the one I picked that up right away. I, well, how, I mean, well, and here's the thing: on the service side, service service wages were up two cents, which is you know, I mean, it's negligible. Um, large gains in trade, transportation, and utilities, fairly substantial ones. But uh, in leisure and hospitality, they were down. In other services, they were down. Um, in education and health, they were down. Professional business services was up a little. Uh, financial was down big, almost 50 cents. Really? So, I mean, you know, looking at the internals of this table, um, it, it being, and, and this is probably largely due to people being forced into part-time status. Okay? One of the things that, that, that there's, there's been this debate going on on my board for a little while. 
that, oh, you know, the lower end people, they're, you know, the, 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 nobody's screaming about fight for 15 anymore because, you know, that's, that, that is no, that's now in the hindsight. People are making this. And, and this is a guy that is involved in the leisure and hospitality and, you know, how, uh, hotel, I guess you'd call it hotels, that line of business. And I said, okay, this is true. I said, but have you actually stayed in a hotel lately? Because I have all during this pandemic and everything else. Pandemic is now over, right? Now we have Russia to worry about. We're not worried about COVID anymore. Um, so I, I I go up north to go skiing a couple of weeks ago, and they're still doing this. There's no housekeeping except after you check out. That's cool. So, okay, it may be true that the housekeepers are making more money per hour. However, how many of them got fired because now instead of the the maid coming in every day to make up your bed. She only comes in when you check out, and I stayed in the hotel for four days. Well, I was trying to find a couple places in Arizona, and six, seven, eight hundred hours a night is not, or, or even five hundred. Uh, I'm going to say if you got to pay the lady, it's, I, mean, I can't believe it takes her an hour. And if, if they're up to paying her fifteen bucks, thinking that they're, you know, that they're that they're they're being amazingly generous, it's not a lot out of six or seven hundred. Just saying. Well, but the thing is this, I mean, you know, you, you, you think about the, you know, the average, uh, you know, BF sort of hotel, you know, a hundred bucks a night, right? It's in the middle of BF nowhere, but it's, it's sort of nice. Yeah. You know, the, the Hampton Inn in the middle of BF nowhere, right? And, and you stay there three nights. Well, if, if the lady's in there for, you know, half an hour making your room up every day, um, you know, that's, that's five dollars, right? Yeah. Well, you, so how come it didn't come off the price of the room? Because it didn't. No, no, I'm saying the room's probably up. Plus, right, the room, the room price is up, but guess what? She's not making the money. So when you take 40% of what used to be, I mean, you know, for single day stay, okay, fine. You know, it's the same because you have to clean it before and after. But it used to be that they came in and they made up your room every day during the middle of the day. Now they don't do that anymore, and the, and the claim is still it's pandemic, right? What it really is is they figured out how to get you to accept the fact that this is no longer part of the accepted service right. you think you should get when you stay in a hotel. Well, plus, the, the, the even the nicer places, if they know you're in there for a week, they don't do the same job every day as if a new person's coming in. No, but they used to. Uh, I, I, you know, I... I I don't know that you got the, the massive deep cleaning that you used to get when new, new people came in. No, but you know what? But they came in there and they at least, you know, they, they changed out your towels. Oh, sure. They oh, made sure. sure that the bathroom was reasonably clean. They okay. wiped down the countertops. They made the bed. I mean, was it, you know, was it the same service you get between people? No. But was there service? Yes. Now yeah. it's gone. Right. I agree. Hey, okay. Uh, and I, and I who, who swallowed that? Well, guess what? The price went up, but the people who worked in that environment, yeah, on an hourly basis, maybe they made more money, but they're either getting fewer hours or half of them got fired. Right. Well, Kyle, if, I, if I, I'm looking at my the one, the A1 number that most most people just pile in here and don't know their way around the site like me, we're piling this. This looks to me like uh, we're it's a it's a we have a few months now of kind of a baby step. Uh, back to what I would consider to be not not only normality, but something maybe we can afford. What I'm saying here, I don't think that given the fact that, you know, people are retired and this and that and the other thing, I don't think that the people working, you, it, I'm stumbling around here, we used to have numbers of labor force participation working versus non-working. 
of in the high, in the basically two thirds, 66, 67, right. somewhere in there. And that number dropped to basically 61-ish, uh, maybe, and, and I don't, I don't think that when you start getting any lower than that, Carl, I don't think we can afford it. I don't think the people. No, well, well, I mean, during the pandemic, it was down, you know, closer to 53. Right. Okay. I mean, I'm looking at it right now and, and the, and the collapse, uh, you know, April 2020, okay, which was kind of the depth of it, right? Was 51.3. It now stands at 59.6. No, no, I'm, I'm looking at the column of, uh, we had, there's two percentage columns in this one. You're looking at the second one, I'm looking at the first. I'm looking at the amount of people that are actually uh, in the labor force versus the ones that we don't know what the hell they're doing. Right, well, yeah, you're looking at the, the participation rate. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I look at the employment population ratio because I think that's more important. Okay, but I mean... It looks, but, it had a big, but it did have a big... Chief, it did have a five-tick gain this last month. Right, what I'm saying is it looks to me from my numbers here that we, we essentially pulled uh, 200,000 people out of the we don't know what the hell they're doing, column, and put them back working. Or put yeah, that's about right. Yeah, well, yeah, it's the uh, hundred three seventy eight to ninety nine six hundred this month. But I mean, but I'm saying it looks at like out, out of the out of the six hundred number, near as I can figure out this household thing, three hundred thousand came out of you know new people in the in kind of in the, in the well, it came out of the column. That we don't know what they're doing. So that's that's kind of what we want to have happen, right? The people who are, are now, does that mean people who are already getting a pension are now getting a second job because they need it because of inflation? Uh, and I'll bet that's a lot of it, Carl. I bet it is. That's why you're seeing a part-time number go up. Well, yeah, and the, the thing is, though, is that what's, uh, you know, for all the rah-rah, what, what tempers that is that ours, ours were up a tick, okay? And that's, a lot of people... Don't pay a lot of attention to that, but you should because every tick in that hours worked is about five hundred thousand jobs. Okay, it's it. I mean, both directions. Okay, so that is a. I mean, that's kind of the the hidden gorilla in the room that nobody pays a lot of attention to, but they should because that's a that is a really really important thing. And and, and it was up a tick, which is I mean that's good. Uh, but the other side of it is that when you look at hourly wages. In a, in a huge number of categories, they were actually down. How can that even be? With, with well, the, I don't know how it can be, but I'm just saying that's the, that the people are not being the, the idea that we are somehow keeping ahead of this inflationary pulse, or at least even with it. The data says that's nonsense. Kyle, the only people that are, and, I, and I'm, you've been on for a while. I don't know if you ever put, put together what I was always railing about is the, is the holy grail. For, for governments and, 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 for, and for people, I guess uh, that that can that can um, borrow uh, cheaply. Uh, the holy grail is for for the government to borrow a hundred bucks from you, have a ten percent inflation, somehow jawbone you into the point where they're only paying you two percent interest and pay you back on ten, stuff that's worth ten percent less a year from now. This is something that you should. You should never do to your population. It's the cruelest tax there is. I don't see how the hell there, there can't be ten people in this country talking about it, Carl. And yet, it wasn't that long ago that that's what I, I, I don't. I don't see how this is not in front of everybody's face. 
Well, I mean, it's uh, you know, if you if you take a look at you just take a look at the data. Um, what you're seeing now is is a a deceleration or an outright loss in actual hourly earnings, and and that's you know that's weekly paycheck. Okay, that's that's the money that you know that shows up in your pocket at the end of the week, and and then on top of that, for most people. You've got you've got a tax bracket problem because you know as, as things go up, and this is one of the, the most cruel elements of inflation that people don't uh, don't appreciate very much, is that if you get bumped in bracket, and and in an inflationary environment, you really get hosed. Well, that's what uh, I mean. We don't have if those of you who uh, were working in the late seventies. I mean, some of those people have to be listening. Um, if you go back, I actually kept all my uh, my uh, tax returns. Um, I went back actually last year, Carl, because I wasn't wasn't arguing with you. It was, might have been Kevin or somebody about, about the uh, the difference. Remember how many brackets you used to have? There was like fifty. Oh yeah, it was all over the place. And uh, so what would would uh, when people talk about you know Ronald Reagan cut the rates, cut this, you know, and I'm, I'm not I'm not disparaging what the man did uh, at all. I agreed with what he did, but. But be careful of the numbers because if, if you were making say sixteen grand in nineteen seventy four, and all of a sudden because of the inflation and everything by nineteen seventy nine or eighty, you were making say twenty two grand, you're probably paying a solid ten percent more in taxes, maybe more at the new at the new rate. But the twenty two grand was worth exactly the same as the sixteen was six years earlier. So right. you you didn't get anywhere, but the government did, right? Because they oh, got the, yeah. they got the bracket creep. So right now, there's only like a couple of brackets, right? I mean, I'm not I, uh, I'm not into the tax. Well, it, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't hammer you the way that it used to because you know there's not 15 of them. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, literally, if you if you got if you got a raise uh, of of 10 uh, percent because the inflation was 10 percent, you went from. Fifteen hundred to sixteen five, you you jump the bracket, and instead of paying, you know, eight percent, you're now paying twelve or something. So or whatever it was, I mean, just off the top of my head. So the the biggest beneficiary of that was you. You were not even, even though you think you were. You were not correct. Right. The numbers showed that you you, you might be, but you weren't. So there's a little of that going on now, but but not as much. The big thing is, is literally. Uh, I mean, I. Carl, you could be, uh, I mean, you're pretty smart with your money, but I also think that you probably know people that are, are kind of afraid of the market here. And, and what if you did have a million dollars in your bank bank account? Well, next year it's going to be worth 900 at best. I actually think the inflation now is worse at any time during the, during the 60s or the 70s. Yeah, I think you're right. It, and it's, it, I mean, to, to a large extent for the last six months or so, if you were paying attention, um, you've been able, and, and really, maybe even over the last couple of years, you've been for the most part able to evade the effects. Right, that's right. gone now. That's gone. The idea that I mean, uh, I don't care how you slice it. When you pull into the the gas station, it's three fifty or four dollars a gallon. You ain't evading anything. Well, you you, you can evade. Uh, here's how you can evade the effects: if your company paid for your insurance and you stayed out of the hospital. If you yeah. if you're lucky enough to stay healthy, if if you have been anywhere near where you're in a paying mode, uh, and you don't care about the fact that your company's paying more and it should be salary and isn't, if you ignore that totally, uh, 
then then you you have evaded the effects. But God help you if you had to go to an emergency room in the last five years. Oh yeah, no. I mean, there's there are certainly places where you know basically bend over is the is the answer. Oh, absolutely. And but now it's getting into essentially everything. Yeah, you can't you can't you can't hide it now. You can you can still if you want. I mean, if you can, uh, you know, the big talk about. I look at spreads, Carl, and is what. But you know, what people. There's this place here in Chicago. It's an interesting butcher shop because you go in there and put gloves on and take your own stuff and put it in a thing. It was called a Peoria Market. And I go there once in a while, not not just to buy something, you know, but uh, just to, just to check out America, right? And uh, <laughs> get a load of this. I, I like cooking. Uh, I, I like cooking pasta, right? And when you cook pasta, you sometimes if you want to put uh, rib tips or neck bones or something in the sauce, right? I don't know if, if how much of an Italian cook you are, but so. I see this big thing of rib tips, and there's this black lady, very attractive, very well dressed, and she's digging through the rib tips, and like they all look pretty much the same to me, right? But she's digging around, digging around, and she pulls out like three or four of them that she thought were the best. So I'm standing right next to her. I said, "You know, if you don't mind, I'm just going to mention to you that you have one of two choices: you either help me pick out my rib tips, or I'm going to steal yours." <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, I was being, and she goes, Oh, I got no problem. I'll help you. How many do you need? Pleasant as all get out. And, uh, I don't know if that were, they were any better or not, but I, I, when I cooked them, they were pretty darn good. I mean, I, I mean anyway, it's, it's that kind of place. Well, last week, I get their sales thing. Get a load of this. Uh, 40 pound box of chicken wings that everybody wants. Guess how much? Right. Guess how much? Oh, I don't know, but I know I'm not going to like it. 129 bucks. 40, oh my lord! Forty pounds of uh, of the leg quarters. Guess how much? Thirty uh, thirty nine bucks. Huh? Thirty nine bucks. Okay, so yeah, dollar a pound. And uh, and, the, and the your uh, back ribs are were were like five bucks. Spare ribs were like two seventeen. And I'm thinking that's the b- biggest spread I've ever seen because I like cooking ribs. But I mean, you're you're right. But now it's affecting pretty much everything all across the board. But the rents and those kinds of things, uh, you know, it's it's. But gasoline and food, uh, it, it's it's a, it's really affecting people. I mean, got, well, the rent the rent thing is you know, and the and the, the pass through in the housing market. It's uh, you know, back in the in the last housing bubble in the '06 and '07 time frame. Rents for an awful lot of people stayed very reasonable because what people were doing, which was really stupid, but they were doing it anyway, they were buying properties and then renting them below the carrying cost because they were, they, you know, they'd refinance every couple of years and hey, we got an interest only loan and we're going to make it all up on the gains on the capital gain when we sell it and so we don't really care and da da. And you know, that was the mantra for a long time. Of course, uh, people that were doing that when it blew up, an awful lot of them ended up bankrupt. <laughs> well, I, mean, I, I do well, wish that the people. Here's the, but here's the thing: now, that's not happening at all. No. So now it's translating directly into rents, and you're seeing people that are all of a sudden, you know, they, their lease comes up and they're getting hit with twenty, thirty, forty percent increases. And your uh, CPI number, they're like two and a half or three. Right, and that's total nonsense. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely with you. I, I don't. I mean, I, I, somewhere I would like the population because it's the whole idea. If you listen to financial channels, the whole idea is you know if you only had your money in the market 
and not in the bank. That that's your that's your savior. Well, that's that's that. I have a real problem with that. I was talking to Dan Janitas yesterday. It, you know, my job, Carl, is to is to advise people a lot of times in in the balance of their portfolio. I right. I mean, when you, I can't. I mean, uh, you end up doing it if you can because you find a way to protect it or you do something. Use, but the but the bottom line is, I have people I talk to. A lot of people I talk to, you know, I don't want them as clients or they don't want me as money manager. I mean, that that happens because uh, I'm a little more, I'm a little too conservative for a lot of people. I mean, I I, I run into people, kind of literally, they're 80 years old, that are 95 percent in, you know. Somewhat the growth area of the market. That's I mean, nuts. And that would, but I mean, that would mean if, if you you should be able to get three percent risk free, which you can't. I mean, that person should be not that anybody does can't play the market if they don't want to. It's their money. But the point is that should if, in normal times you would say, hey, twenty five thirty percent in cash, you're making three percent. It's better than a sharp stick in the eye. What's another fifty percent in some decent fixed income, even if it's shorter shorter durations. And maybe let's put half in the market with, you know, some solid stocks here. And if you like these other guys, some there. But the idea of, don't worry, don't put it in a savings account. Put it in the market. The market will, re- will take care of it for you. This this whole mentality that's been coming out for 12 years, Carl, I, I don't even want to have my eyes open the day this changes. Well, you know, it's it, it, back to the rent thing a bit because this is this is part of what's driving it. Yeah. People are like, well, you know, I can stay ahead of it because of, you know, I, I, I'm in the stock market, everything will be okay. Okay, we'll see how that works out for you over the next year or two if this inflationary environment continues. And, Paul, and, and by the way, if Paul stomps on it, which he's going to have to because we're going to get food riots if he doesn't, then <laughs> take a guess where the S&P trades, right? Kyle, that last, so, last month you but, could but do... But here's, here's, here's kind of the, the, the problem I have with this. So let's say you have, you know, you have all these people, all of a sudden they're making $15 an hour, and they used to be making 10 Well, guess what? At $15 an hour... If, if you're trying to survive, you need to be able to rent a place for about seven fifty a month. Right. Good luck. Where with that. where can you find an apartment that isn't full of druggies and you know drive by shootings every night for that kind of money in most of the metro areas of this country? Well, that's why you end up with a roommate or two. Well, but but you know, I mean, but think about the yeah. you know think about the reality on that, right? Right. Well, I'm not. I'm not so. I just you know, <laughs> well, I tell you what, Carl, when we're I first started on the trading floor, and a, a decent trader made, you know, seventy five hundred grand a year. There were only expirations four times a year, and, and uh, you know, there was a lot less volume, a lot, lot less everything. Uh, God, uh, making a hundred grand in nineteen eighty three or nineteen eighty four, nineteen eighty one. You know, when uh, price of a cup ticket was three bucks. I mean, God, talk about living large, huh? <laughs> Well, you know, it's it, it's funny because you know when I when I first started doing programming for other people, okay, was, you know, I was a W two wage slave, like you know, like everybody else. When you start out, right, you're you're doing things for other people. Okay, fine, but I could get an apartment for four or five hundred dollars. Yeah, and I, and on the salary I was making, it, it wasn't comfortable, but I could pay the bills. Yeah, and as soon as you did anything better than that, I mean, you were. I mean, plus, but I I don't think anybody. I mean, if if we only have thirty seconds, but anybody who's anywhere near the fifty five thousand dollars of family, you you can't be saving anything. I don't see how you can. No, you're not. Which is which is really, I mean, uh, the way to build wealth is to make a hundred dollars a week and live on eighty, and I don't see how anybody's doing that. It's 
Carl, thank you very much. We went to the story about your guy, but we couldn't we couldn't usurp the labor numbers because you're a labor master, buddy. Uh, SP futures right. down forty two, and as if he's down one twenty nine, kind of when we came in. I'll be back on Monday, Stocks and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. Have you ever heard the expression, the customer is always right?